Hey everyone, it's Father's Day weekend. My name's Matt and this is my second Father's Day. Man, has it been a wild ride already. It's my honor to bring you church news this weekend. If you're brand new here, welcome. Our mission is that you would get to know God personally and that you've been created on purpose and for a purpose. Our hope is that you would be empowered to discover and live out the life that God intended you to live. If you're joining us online, welcome. We're glad that you're tuning in. Please subscribe to our channel and turn on the notification bell so you can know when we go live. If you need prayer or want to be connected, text the number on the screen. To everybody here in person, you can find our welcome card and prayer card in the seat pocket in front of you. Fill those out because we'd love to get to know you better and also know how to pray for you. If you're here for the first time, bring your welcome card out to the Connect Center right after service and we'll give you a Starbucks gift card. So we have three announcements for you today. First announcement is about Growth Track. If you want to know more about our church or figure out how you can get more connected here, Growth Track is the next step for you. It's the first two Sundays of the month at 9.15 a.m. So mark it in your calendars and make a plan to join us. The second announcement is that we have a school supply drive next weekend in the courtyard. We're collecting school supplies for the Castle Complex students, teachers, and foster care. If you are unable to bring physical items to donate, any money that is given to Anchor Cares this weekend or next weekend will go towards school supplies. Finally, calling all 18 to 30 year olds. Our young adults just had an awesome camp this past weekend and we are keeping the party going this summer by having a game night on June 27th. It will be here in the courtyard from 6 to 9 p.m. And in addition to games, you can look forward to food and a ton of fun. Okay, that's it. I know that was a lot, but if you missed anything I just said, text the number on the screen or head out to the Connect Center after service. And with that, get out your notes and let's welcome Pastor Rob to the stage. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Of course, I want to also, by the way, we could go home right now. We've been ministered to. So thank you so much, Trevor. Amazing. George was an amazing guy. So blessed to have him in my life too. Um, by the way, happy Father's Day. Just want to make sure I shout that out to you. And there's a passion I have is that you would live to be the live that you would live out the life that God fully intended you to live. And the prayer I pray over this congregation, and especially to the dads today, is found in Isaiah 61:7. Says this: that there would you would not be full of shame and dishonor. That, in other words, that the world would not come against you, but that the word says that you would get a double portion of His honor. How many would want that? a double portion of his honor, a double portion of prosperity so that you would experience the joy of the Lord. And that's my prayer for everyone in this room today, especially dads. Now, we, were all, we all have a bunch of titles. God gave us a few along the way. I'm a son. You know, I'm a brother. God did that. And I'm a husband. But the one title I absolutely love, 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 and so proud of is to be called dad. I remember I was speaking in Japan one time and my oldest daughter, Elizabeth, in fact, would you check that picture up, would you, for me? Thank you. Elizabeth is the one in the middle. That's Sarah on the right and my son, Paul. I love, love, love being a dad. My daughter, Elizabeth, introduced me in Japan. And as I was getting up there, I was so touched by it, I literally started to lose it. And I figured, oh, I better grab it a hold ahead, or, or, or grab it a hold right now, because I know that interpreter has no idea what's going on right now, and I better get it together. Because, but all that to say is, I just love being a dad. 
And I, my prayer is all the dads. In fact, I love watching the dads in this church just hanging out with their kids, loving on their kids, because like Pastor Trevor said, that is our responsibility. There is no such thing as a perfect dad. And you are looking at one right now, and those kids would be glad to tell you. <laughs> but all we're, we're called to do is to do our best to oversee the gifts that God's given to us. Those are not our kids. Those are God's kids. And along the way in life, in fact, at the end of our lives, we're going to be seeing, God's going to be, we're going to have an interaction with God, and he's going to actually ask us, hey, how did, how did you handle the things that I've given you? And our children are in that conversation. So today, I just want to, and I, I know some of us along the way, we were passed down some crazy things, and we might have brought that into our fatherhood experience, but here's the thing I know about God. God is a God of fresh starts and new beginnings. The word says in Lamentations that his mercies are new every day, every day. Lean into that, Lord. Give me guidance. In Ephesians, it says, give me wisdom and revelation. And I pray that for you today. And by the way, I just want a big time shout out to all the single dads and single moms in this room. Truly the toughest job on the planet to try to keep all, everything going. All that is incredibly difficult. And I want to just give a big shout out to you and say that you are doing an amazing, amazing job. So let's get in the word again. Happy Father's Day, everybody. If you don't, don't mind, I'm going to get into the word, into Beatitudes. We're in a study of the Beatitudes. So if you've got your Bibles open, we're going to be in Matthew 5. Of course, if you know by now, the word Beatitude means supremely blessed. And as your pastor, I have a passion. If you know me by now, you know that this drives me. This is what I pray into all the time, that you would experience Another level of faith and trust and passion and love for God every day that you would say, I am all in. In the culture we're living in today, so far from God, we, we need to more than ever lean into this relationship that God so wants us to have. This this, there's power there. There's peace found there. And I just want to encourage you to lean in because when we lean in, when you understand the Beatitudes, these incredible statements of principles and attitudes to live by in life, you can only be all in to be able to experience these. And the first Beatitude, we talked about this weeks ago. Of course, the first one was the most important one. Blessed are the poor for they realize their need for God. And all of us along the way in life most of us in this room, if not all of us, have come to that place and go, I can't do this alone. I'm inviting you, Jesus, to come in to my heart. And when you did that, the Holy Spirit came into you in a powerful way and changed everything. Because the next seven Beatitudes are not possible without the Holy Spirit guiding you. And as we get into the Word today, we're going to be in Ephesians 5, and we're going to look at the Beatitude in verse 8. And it says this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Possibly right then, you turn me off. You're thinking, hmm, wonder what's for lunch today. It's my day to look at the beach today. It's kind of hot. Let's go to the beach. You turn me off because you thought I said, blessed are the perfect for they will see God. I did not. God could have, but he didn't. He said, blessed are the pure in heart. 
That's the amazing thing about God's grace and mercy in our life. He already knows that we're not perfect. He already knows that. In Romans 3.23, all, and by the way, if you look that word all up in the original language, what does it mean? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. As I was driving up on Friday night, I was, I was reminded of a verse in Romans 7. It's not going to be on the screen, but let me just get there really fast. It's Paul. Now, you have to admit, if you know anything about the Bible, if you're a student of the Bible, and if you're not, Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So you have to think, okay, he's somebody. God must love him. He, they're tight. So here's what he writes. So in, in, in 7, you're thinking he's got to be the man of the man, right? Perfect in every way. Knowing Jesus as close as he is, be able to write all he did for us to tell us about Jesus and his passion for God and how that would change our lives. But here, see, he, he, he writes this. I really don't understand. I keep doing what I don't want to do. Anybody relate to that? Besides all of us? It says this. I want to do what is right, but I don't. I want to do what is good, but I can't. It goes on to this. It says this. I have discovered the principle of life that when I really want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Anybody relate to that? Everybody. But here's the deal. So we can all relate to Paul. He understands the struggle and sin. We all are there. God, we're not perfect people. God doesn't expect perfection. He'd love us to make sure that we're leaning in because in chapter eight, the next chapter it says, hey, here's how to live a spirit. Let the Holy Spirit come into you and change you from the inside out so the struggle with sin does not bring you down. And in fact, it says this in 820, uh, 8.31, it goes on to say this, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so again, that word nothing, if you look it up in the original language, that word means nothing. So what does it mean to be pure? What is it? What are you talking about today? Any, you know, you know, I love golf. I played Friday. I play every Friday, Friday morning. If you're a golfer, come join me. Any golfers in the house? Any, any, any golfers? A few of us in the room. Now, you, now some of you see golf as a complete waste of a good walk. I understand that. If you're a, if you're a golf widow or widower, you probably think golf is the worst thing in the world. That's not my point. In golf, no matter what your skill level is, no matter where you are in the spectrum, Tiger Woods or just beginning, there's one thing every golfer wants to do. He wants to hit the club face to the ball so perfect, the sweet spot, because when you do, you absolutely know you hit the ball perfect. Like, whoa, that'll bring you back next week, no matter if you shot 120, because you hit it right one time. In golf, when that happens, when the club face of the sweet spot of the cup place hits the ball perfectly. It's called hitting the ball pure. What does that mean? It means that when you hit the ball, there was nothing between the club face and the ball. And you hit it in the sweet spot, right where the manufacturer wanted you to hit it. And amazing things happen when that happens. Gold. Pure gold 
is 24 karat. That means there's no impurities that go. Now, many of you are wearing 18 karat gold, 12 karat gold. Looks amazing, but there's alloys and imperfections in that gold. The only gold that is pure has been refined to 24 karat. What does that mean? That there's no anything, purities, alloys, nothing's in there. It is pure gold. And what God is saying in his word today, to be pure means to not let anything between you and your God. Nothing. Allow yourself to live in that space completely. Solomon, you, in the word, he wrote many of the Proverbs, considered the wisest man to ever live. In fact, theologians today still think that. So, you know, he wrote on marriage, he wrote on relationships, how to handle life, how to handle friends, how to handle your future. And I would encourage you to read one every day. There's 31. So into that, read a proverb a day, and you will become wise on how to handle life. Talks about everything. But Solomon, having said all that, I had a, I had a boss one time. Now, I can be considered a rambler, too, when I talk. But this guy was off the hook, rambler. <laughs> And inevitably, every time he would finish what he was actually trying to say, hey, if you forgot everything I said, here's what I want you to know. And that's what Solomon says in his word in the fourth chapter. Hey, if you forget everything, remember this, because this is super important. And it's found, in, it's found here in Proverbs 4.23. Uh, 4 says this, guard your heart above all else. Why does he say that? Because it determines the course of your life. Let me read that again. Above all else, guard your heart. Because it determines everything in your life. Now, of course, we're not talking about your ticker. That pumping blood through your veins right now. And if it's not ticking, then you're not with us. You know, a few years back, I had a heart attack, so I got really familiar with my ticker. You know, if you're, you know, eating right, you know, not eating steak every night would probably help you out. Probably getting a little exercise, and I'm speaking to myself, and cutting some stress out, you'll make sure that ticker lives as long as God wants you to live. But that's not the heart we're talking about today. Because the Bible describes, and Solomon tells us, our heart is the essence of who we are. Now, all the folks watching online today, wherever you might be, awesome to have you for sure. All the folks in this room and then sitting out in our beautiful courtyard right now, guess what? There's not one of us remotely like the other person. We process life differently. We have different likes and dislikes. Our emotions runs in certain rhythms and all that. We have our own you know, those, those things that we're, we love, those things that we don't love, we're all uniquely us. And God put that that way. And that's who we are. That's the essence of our heart. It's our emotions. It's our will. It's our mind. It's everything that we are is in what we call, the Bible says, the very core of us. And he, the Bible says it's our heart there. It's our soul. It's the very essence of who we are. And Solomon says, guard it above all else, because it determines everything. Anybody ever been to China? Anybody ever been to China? 
Awesome. I bet you went to the Great Wall of China. Yes, you did. And by the way, in the, home, in the house today, we have an amazing pastor, Pastor Kiha, who we love, and Heidi, amazing people who have been mentors to us, got us through many of uh, trials for sure. Honored to have you in the, in the building today. And of course, Pastor Jason, who is one of our preachers, love seeing you right there. So they bend to China. Everybody goes to China, goes to the Great Wall of China. One of the greatest engineering architectural feats ever. I bet you didn't know this, but the Great Wall of China was started in 623 BC and wasn't finished until the Ming Dynasty in the 1600s. They built that wall for one reason, to protect everybody on the inside of that wall from the people from the outside of that wall. Along the way in their construction, the engineers put little gates. Don't know how the distance were, but little gates so somebody could crawl out and maintain the outside of the wall. You see how this goes. See that little gate? They used that. Conquering forces came in and conquered the villages out inside that wall a bunch of times. When we allow the enemy a crack, the littlest crack, and we think that we can hold it off, but we allow that crack. We allow our minds to go places it shouldn't see things, think things, say things. We give him a crack, a little crack. He's all the way in. So fast, and we all know it to be true. Whoa, I can't believe I thought that. I can't believe I said that. Anybody with me on that? Solomon says, that is what you need to do, is guard your heart from the enemy's attacks. So let me go with the time I have with you today, talk about some of those things that we allow, and the enemy really allows, to get between you and your Savior. The things that we need to be careful about, be, uh, just be intentional about not letting it there. May I, may I do that? So if you're taking notes with me, the first point I want to give you today is, listen, super important, be quick to believe. Quick to believe. I was just reading an article just before I came here today, and it said that the amount of people losing their faith today is growing, which is Scary as can be. Scary. Because the ultimate goal of the enemy is for you to stop believing in God. And that's what's happening in our culture today. We push God completely out. But here's what he uses, the enemy uses. And it's something that we all experience. Again, the word all, and I mean all of us in this room, all of us looking online and looking at me right now in this room, experience doubt. Universal. Welcome to being a human being. Have you ever read the word, in the word, in, the, in a time of the word, and you're reading and all of a sudden this crazy feeling of doubt come in? And you're going, where the heck did that come from? The enemy. He wants you to, he's going to throw those things at you. You're watching something, you're seeing something, you're, how, why would God do that? And all of a sudden you start rationalizing and then all of a sudden doubt, doubt, doubt comes over you. Yeah. Cause you know why we're, we're, we're looking at issues and situations. You go, well, if I was God, I wouldn't do that. We didn't say that out loud, but in our mind, we're trying to rationalize it and we can't rationalize it. And by the way, you'll never rationalize it because God's ways are far beyond our ways. But the enemy wants to use that little crack of doubt. And he wants to get all the way in. 
and you start questioning your faith. Is there a God? And I would say to us today, as children of the light, of children of God, precious children of God, don't allow, be quick to go, no, get out of my head, Satan. You don't have no place in that, in my mind. I will not go there because doubt is something he used. By the way, God's not, God's not bummed out that you doubt. No way. I mean, one of his closest people, the people ate with, walked with, talked with, watched him work, was a disciple named Thomas. Anybody know what his nickname was? His name was Doubting Thomas, the chief among us. Blessed are those who don't undersee and believe what Jesus said about that. So I just say to you, don't allow doubt to overwhelm you and get between you and God, and fear. Because God, the enemy's deception is doubt, fear, and discouragement. Do not allow fear to get in there. Do not allow fear. I mean, fear is a natural emotion. God put fear in us so that it alerts us to dangers ahead. So don't allow that alert to own you, though. Because when you allow fear to own you, it consumes you in a minute, in a blink. And all of a sudden, your hands, are, your hands are gripped to the steering wheel of your life so tightly. You go, God, you stay in the back seat. I got this. And I'm trusting in me. And God says, hey, uh, I think it works better if you let me drive. No matter what side of the aisle you're on, if you're a strong CNN guy or girl or a strong Fox person or whatever your persuasion in as you collect news, just an alert Informing you of the news is not their top priority. I want you to know that. If you think it is, oh, great, I got to know what's going on today. I'm going to turn my station on. That is not their primary goal of that moment. Their priority is for them to make money. And they make money with eyeballs on that screen. The more eyeballs, the more the advertisers pay for that moment in time. If it's a publicly owned company like most of them are, they're beholding to their stock holders to make money, not inform you. So what do they use to get you to come back and click on so they can make money? Fear. Because they know they've tapped into this emotion the last bunch of years. They've tapped into this emotion. And they know that if they can get you fearful, you're always going to check back in. Whoa, I got to know what's next. I got to prepare myself. Trust me. Trust God. There's an amazing scripture. Here's what it says in Isaiah 41. In fact, let me give you a couple of scriptures that you can write down when fear overwhelms you. Claim the word of God. Claim it. We're going to be in Isaiah 41:10, but there's also Joshua 1:9. Here's what it says: Do not be afraid. For I am with you. Do not be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up in my victorious right hand. Joshua 9, be strong and courageous. And it's a command. I command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. In the message version, it says, don't panic. Anybody panic at three in the morning besides me? And I claim the scripture. For the word says in Joshua 1, 9, I will be with you wherever you go. In the time we're living in now, the enemy and the culture 
is using fear overwhelmingly. And so fear is that cloud that always is kind of hovering over us wherever we go. And God says, no place for it. Trust me. When we allow fear to get all the way in, we put our faith over here. Amen? The other thing that he uses and gets between us and our relationship with God to try to get our minds off God and on other things is discouragement. I don't know if you heard, but Satan decided to go out of business. Big time. Yep. So he was shining up all his stuff to sell it. Got them all lined up. Greed and lust and envy, jealousy. Had them all lined up. So people were coming in to find out, you know, it's like a garage sale. But there was a really worn tool in the middle of the room. And it was the most costly by far. So somebody comes up to Satan and goes, hey, uh, so what's the deal? Why, why is that so expensive? Oh, that's my best tool. See, that's discouragement. And when I use that, they don't even know it's me. The enemy will use discouragement. Life throws all these things at us and we can get overwhelmed with disappointment and discouragement. And all of a sudden we realize that our mind's not on God. Our mind's on the issues. And I want to say to you, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. That's what it says. And in a minute I'm going to talk about seeing God. But I want to just say here really quickly, in the middle of the storms of life and we're all going through them, I mean, I went to the gas pump and put that in. I'm thinking, holy. My brother lives in Palmdale. So I don't know if you live in California, by the way. You, you, you drive a million miles just to get anywhere. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a drive anywhere. So he shot, screenshotted me a picture of gas in California. 9.59 a gallon. Shoot me in the head. I'm just saying... We can get discouraged and we can get fearful pretty easy. Here's a moment in time where God says, you'll see me, you'll experience me. You'll experience my presence, my peace in your life. How many want that in the middle of the storm? Lean in. Don't let anything get between you and your Savior. Can I give you a couple other things that you can write down? A couple of some other emotions that really kind of get in our way. The first one I really went on, and I really spoke about it last week, so I'm not going to spend a ton of time right now, but I always remind you that when we have unforgiveness in our heart, it is not a place to be. It's not a good place to be at all, for sure. God says, if you forgive me, you forgive others, I'll forgive you. Scary verse. How many times did God say to forgive? Anybody remember last week's message? Remember Paul, Peter, excuse me, Peter goes to Jesus, says, you know that forgiveness thing we've been talking about? Like, how many times am I supposed to forgive, Jesus? And Peter, I know, came up like a, a big time number, like this is going to be outrageous. Seven times? And Jesus says, you're not even close. No, 70 times seven. Like, let forgiveness come out of us. Because see, when we forgive... It's about us. It's for us. Because when we allow unforgiveness to set in, it absolutely becomes bitterness. And see, when you allow the last thing you think about when you go to sleep and you're, you're in dealing with unforgiveness, your mind is there. The very first thing you wake up in the morning, and that's there. And God says, no, 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 no. You need to forgive because you need to release it. 
so that the last thing you think about when you go to sleep and put your head on that pillow is me. And the first thing when you think, wake up in the morning, the first thing you need to think about, I want you to think about, is me, Jesus says. Think about me. Don't allow unforgiveness because the enemy will use that big time. Big time. And then, see, here's the thing that, that also comes out of that. A natural byproduct of unforgiveness is bitterness. And here's another one, anger. Anger is a devastating place when anger controls you, when anger owns you. It is the worst place to be. And some of us, our dads, I grew up in a home. Now, my dad wasn't mean. I mean, I, I don't look back and think he was mean, but this is back when the dinosaurs were still walking around and the earth was still cooling. I get it. It was a while ago. But see, my dad grew up in a time where he hit you first and then asked questions second. It was a ready, fire, aim deal. I was guilty before I was even proven innocent. That's how it was. Usually ended it with his belt or, you know, slapped around a little bit. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes he was right and I deserved it. That's for sure. But that was the, that was the way things were back then. That was just you know, kind of the way it was. I went to school. I went to Catholic school back, back when the earth, the earth was still cooling and the dinosaurs around. The, the fathers, by the way, I don't know how I'm going here. So excuse me. <laughs> Time of confession. I'm, the fathers would let, like today, you, you would sue them. Because back then, bam, they'd hit you. You got out of line, they hit you. I don't know how I went there. But I grew up in a home where anger was kind of there, and I had to work hard to make sure anger didn't come into my life and allow it to take root in my life. And sometimes we grew up in a home where anger was a part of it, and we're just letting that through generations flow through it. And I would say to you today, God is a God of fresh starts and new beginnings, and his mercies are new every day. Ask God to come in. Lord, please take this burden of anger away from me today in Jesus' name. When you feel anger rising up within you, you know the enemy is choking the fire, making sure that your emotions get out of control so that you hurt you and the people around you. And it gets between your relationship with God and your Savior and you. Is that fair? Angers, angers can be devastating. Let me say this too. As we talk to the dads in the house, as I close, get, get ready to land this message. They're looking. People are looking at us. They're looking at all of us. We don't know it, but we're spiritual sons and daughters, moms and dads to a lot of people. People are looking at us. The word says that we are the light of our world. We're, they're looking at us. God wants us to be the light of our world. He wants us to shine for him. He wants, our, like the Beatitudes, when we live the Beatitudes, we literally are setting us, ourselves apart from the rest of the world. And people are looking at us and go, what in the world's up with you? Jesus. We have Jesus. And just for the record... He's the only answer that possibly could change anything today. Like I say all the time, there's no, white, there's no politician riding in a white horse and a white hat to save the day. Only Jesus can save the day. And they're looking. Make sure that we're understanding that people are looking. The Lord would want us to be great examples. So the word says in Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And as I close my message today, I want you to know 
the sweetest, most precious, most amazing place for us to live our life is in the presence of our God. To experience his peace and his power and his presence is the sweet spot of life. The sweetest place you could ever be. And the enemy wants to rob you of that every day and God wants you to experience that every day. And as your pastor, I want you to. My greatest desire is that you would be living in the presence of the Father like never before. I, my favorite verse as I close this message is found in here in Psalm 91. I love Psalm 91. But here's a, here, here's a beautiful t- scripture about being in the presence of God. If you, if you, know, the, you know Psalm 91, if you don't, can I just write this down? Uh, I'm going to read Psalm 91 today because it is a precious, precious scripture. It says this. Those who live in the shadow, excuse me, those who live in the shelter of the Most High, those who live in the covering of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue me from every trap and protect me from every deadly disease. He will cover me with his feathers, and he will shelter me with his wings. His faithful promise are an armor of my protection. I love that. His promises are amazing. I'm going to finish with this in verse 9. It says this. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No temptation will overcome you. For I am with you wherever you go. No trouble will come your way. I will rescue you and honor you and I will reward you for a long life and give you your salvation. The most, impress, the most precious place to be is in his presence. And as I close this, because this is a place where we all are in our lives, taking notes with me, be quick to repent. Be quick to repent. In 1 John 1, 9, it says this, if, you confess our, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us in all righteousness. In the beginning, I said that we are, our sins are forgiven, our past, present, and future sins are forgiven because of the blood Jesus shed on the cross for us. And that is true. Theologically, we're positionally. When God sees us, he sees us as pure. That's our position. We can't change that. God did that for us. But here's the thing. Relationally with him on a daily, day, day-to-day basis, God wants us to live in a place where when we screw up, when we get out of God's will, when we do things we know that's not pleasing to God, that we will be quick to ask for forgiveness. Because, see, this is all of our cases. When we sin and we keep doing things that we know is not honoring God, we instantly feel guilty. And the enemy will feed that to our conscience. Yeah, see, dude, you're not, this, you're not all that. You keep messing up. God couldn't possibly love you. And, and those things come over. So those guilt feelings of all that comes into us. And it's not a place that God would want us to be. So he says, hey, hey, just tell me. Tell me what's on your heart. Confess it. Speak to me. Tell me those things that are, are, got you down. Let's, let's, let's let you relieve yourself of the burden, of the shame of that sin. And purify us. And just say, Lord, so sorry. Guess what? God says, I forgive you. I forgive you. Because, see, that's the one area that in all of us can get in between 
the sweet spot of our life, and God. And the word says, be quick to repent. Hey, keep us in right standing with us. Let's keep that rapport going. Let's keep that intimacy with you going. And then you will experience the peace of God in your life. Do I get a good amen? amen? Let's pray. Lord, I pray for each one of us in this room today, Lord, that we would live in the presence of our Savior every day. That we wouldn't allow anything to get in our the way of, that would be confusing or bring doubt or anything in our minds that would stop us from truly keeping our eyes focused on you. This very day, Lord, I pray for everyone in this room watching online in the courtyard that we would experience you powerfully today, this very day, Lord. And that tomorrow morning, Lord, when we wake up, Lord, we wake up with you in our minds saying, Lord, This is the day that you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, how may I serve you today? How may we be intimate today? How may we we just find ourselves in each other's embrace today, Lord? And I bind the enemy in Jesus' name from anything that that the enemy would throw at our congregation today. In Jesus' name, we all said? Amen, amen. amen. So good. Okay, was that a good word? Okay, wait. Let's got to pray one more prayer, though as you know, is our, is our culture here. Because this is the most important prayer I'm going to pray all day. Because, like I said in the beginning, the very first beatitude is, blessed are the pure, for they know their need for God. And possibly you've walked in here today, or you're watching on our, online in the comfort of your living room, and you've never come to a place where you said, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I can't do this alone. And that's God knocking in your heart. He's opening your eyes to the reality of him right now. And if that's you, everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. Give some people some privacy. If that's you, I would love to know who I'm praying with. So if that's you, allow yourself to slip your hand up right now and let me know that you want to pray with me. So this is your moment. Raise your hand. I see you. Awesome. I see you and you. Awesome. And you. Hands are going up across the room. Don't be afraid. If, you, if you're going to want to pray that online, just get ready. Bow your head with me, everybody in this room. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for everyone who's inviting you into their life right now that you would come roaring in like only you can with your love and grace and your mercy, Lord. And I pray for everyone in this room who's raised their hand, Lord, that you would forgive their sins, that you'd realize that you are their Savior, that you died for their sins. And Lord, I pray that the people who drove up this driveway today and the people who drove drive back down it are two different people because of you coming into their life today, Lord. Reveal yourself to them powerfully every day. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen, amen. amen. So good, so good. Okay, happy Father's Day, everybody. Hope you have an amazing day, whatever your plans are. Make sure if they're, those loved ones are far from you, no matter who they are, you're texting them up today. If the Lord's putting them in their heart, I just want to make sure that we're staying in contact with those people. Like Pastor Trevor said, don't let a day go by without checking in to tell them how much you care. Let's pray for the tithes and offerings. And again, I just want to say to our anchor family, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for trusting God with your finances and believing in the mission and vision of Anchor Church. Our passion Our desire is to change not only our church family and be there when they need us, but also our community around us. And your financial support says just that. So let's pray. Lord, I pray for this offering right now. 
I pray that you use it for your glory. Allow us to make you famous everywhere. In Jesus' name, amen.